Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome to another Inside Groove episode. My name is Tom Baker, and this is episode 36. And I got thinking over the the last week that, uh, you know, we do these countdown deals um, as we we start counting down the days at a swig and everybody likes to, oh, it's 75, so it's Gary Albritton or whatever days, and then we all chime in with the other 75s. We never do that with the um, episode numbers on the show. So this, I'm starting a new trend. Here, so this is the episode thirty-six. It's the Ron Buckner, Bobby Stelter, Baldy Baker once at Fulton, Ray Sand, Denny Wheeler for a warm-up session, Chuck Siprich, uh episode. There. <laughs> if anybody can think of any more thirty-sixes, then you know, put them in the comments when you hear the show. Um, we'll just have a little fun with that going forward and see how uh, how much we can uh, chime get our listeners to chime in on that. So, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you back for another week, and uh, we're talking racing, obviously, and talking super modifieds, and talking motorsports expo, and Camden Proud, who has never raced the number thirty-six. Oh wait, Mike Brubaker, I just remembered another one. Um, Camden Proud is with us. He drives a different number. Uh, and he's, he's also running around trying to help coordinate the Oswego Speedway piece of the expo. Camden, welcome back to the show. Glad to uh, give you a chance to actually stop and sit down in one place for a few minutes and, uh, get a go get a little rest while you're giving us an update on what's going on for this weekend's expo in Syracuse. Thanks, Tom. It's good to be back for another week. <laughs> and thanks for starting the new trend. Hopefully I can apply that to my countdown for the rest there you of the go. season. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I usually try to chime in on those and and uh, work my brain a little bit. <laughs> I just thought, why aren't we doing it with the episode numbers and just be a little bit of fun we can have. So uh, new trends. So next week is going to be 37, but this is 36, and I think I got them all. Um, at least of the Oswego regulars. So uh, what's going on with the Motorsports Expo? What's going on with the Oswego Speedway and Super Modified Racing in general? What are you hearing? Well, unfortunately, I haven't heard much more as far as getting any more cars at the Expo, but we are really looking forward to having three full-time SBS competitors have their cars on display. Like I said last week, we'll have Greg O'Connor and Tony Pisa and Ken Moody. They'll all have their their new schemes unveiled this weekend at the Expo, Saturday and Sunday. March 14th and 15th at the New York State Fairgrounds. And we'll have the Expo in the Center of Progress building and then two days of TQ Midget racing over in the Exposition Center. So it'll be a busy weekend for race fans at the fairgrounds, and we're just looking forward to being a part of it. Yeah, I know that uh, Tyler Thompson and I think uh, Michael Barnes is running again. Um, they're running TQs this this coming weekend. Uh, and, of course, with the Expo show, it's going to be a big weekend up there and should be a lot of fun. Uh, what um, What is happening at the Speedway itself? I know that um, the registrations are continuing to pour in. Uh, anybody new, anybody significant we should talk about, rumors, anything going on? 
Yeah, um, we got a few more registrations since last week. Uh, Nakota Racing's filed both cars uh, full-time, Otto Sitterly and Allison Slode. Um, have Good. another registration from Halatool up for God knows how many full-time <laughs> seasons that is in a row. Um, but I love it. It's it's just it's awesome, his dedication. And uh, i got to be honest, one of my, my favorite moments out of all the, the great stories we had last season at the Speedway was – uh, pitting next to Hal and, and seeing his reaction when he ran his first sub-17 second lap. Yeah. I just thought that that was one of the coolest things. So I'm happy to have him back for another year. Well, you know, Hal is, Hal is just the nicest guy, and he's been a huge supporter of supermodified racing in the Swigo for decades now. I mean, literally decades. Uh, and... Obviously, at this point, he knows he's not going to go win races. That's just not um, – he doesn't have the program for that. But he he really is the passion of Oswego Speedway and, and the passion of supermodified racing. That's He comes back, and he does what he does because he loves it. He still mm-hmm. loves it. Um, you know, gosh, I don't remember what his rookie year was, but I – I've got to believe that he's been running darn near as long as Joe Gozik. Um, I know that um, he had, I think he had a former Joya car, maybe. Um, and he 81. Only, 81. 81. So he's a year short. Yeah, a year, year shy of Joe Gozik. Uh, you know, and, and he had a, I, I think it was an old Joya car, one of the old Joya cars. I think um, he only had it for a very short time, and then he he I think he built uh, his next super, if I'm not mistaken, and that's the one that um, Scott Lyons ended up with, I think, uh, and ran as the 99 for a little while, and then I I've lost I don't remember where it went, but um, but but how was you know how had he's had some impressive moments over the years he's just never had what i how was one of these guys i feel like cam that the the cost escalated faster than his ability to keep up with it and so yeah you know much like a billy yep. sharkey for example you know these are guys that you know they they love to race they love to be a part of it they're not you know, they know they're not likely to be running up front winning races, but they just want to be there and still do as well as they can. And they still, you know, want to improve. And, and yeah, how I mean, I wish I had been standing there to, to see that, because those are the moments you appreciate the most, because that for him was that's probably his, you know, proudest moment really um, he's won races. He's won B mains. He's won, you know, those things. But um, you know, heats, whatever. Uh, but mm-hmm. that for him was a, was probably the career defining moment in the sense of it, the effort that it took for him to get to that point, you know, was, was, I would argue bigger and it was a more spectacular and almost maybe, I don't want to say unlikely, but I guess I will scenario than, you know, I remember him winning a B main or two classic weekends and, um, you know, I think this was a, a bigger accomplishment than that in a sense. Um, so, you know, good for him. And, and uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to see that he's coming back. Uh, and, of course, uh, Nicotra Racing, it's uh, great to have them back as well. And I'm especially happy that Allison Sloat is coming back because, 
Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I hadn't heard one way or another. I assumed she probably would, but I just think Allison brings a lot of energy and a lot of fun to the, to that team and that pit area. Um, and you know, again, she she had a really good season last year, given that it was her first full year in a non-wing super, and she went out and won a race, and I think proved that she belonged there. And so, you know, if uh, if she can come out this year and do as well or better, then you know that's great. Yeah, I hope she does. Uh, it'll be great for the Speedway and, and the fan base for the Super Modifieds as a whole. And uh, actually, Bill Sharkey's another guy. They they have his car together and the motor mounted in it, yeah. and it's on the ground. And Bill will actually be back this year as well. So that's that's another potentially full-time guy that uh, we actually didn't mention last week. So um, hopefully that gets together well, and, and we'll see Bill up at the open practice. I know that's his plan as of right now. So. Well, Billy told me that he um, he told me online, I don't know, a week or two ago, that he was going to mm-hmm. be ready for opening day. So, really? That's yeah, great. That's what he said. He said it will be their opening day. And, you know, I love that he's running the number 59 because it's one of those numbers that, you know, for someone like myself who's been around the track a while, it, it automatically just thinking about the number, it throws you back to Ernie and Bob June, and I know that's why he's doing it because he drove for them for a while toward the tail end of their uh, ownership of, yeah. of supers and he, those guys were again dedicated and w- they were part of a group <clears throat> that weren't driver owners they were owners and they were they were owners who you never knew who was going to be in the 59 from one week to the next it seemed um, they were kind of in a in a group with Herm Graf and Steve Miller um, and even Ralph Wissing to a point although Gary Kelly was fairly consistent with Ralph for quite a while and then he moved on to some other guys that that also had some longer stints but the 59 car my gosh if we sat here when we get to episode 59 I'll have a long list to read because uh, <laughs> they were around the track for a long time and had a lot of drivers and I'm sure I'll I'll probably miss a couple that were before my time, but um, I just, you know, I think it's great that Billy's uh, kind of tributizing them with that the number, and again, I don't know that Billy is going to go out and run for wins, but you know what? Billy's going to have a great time, and you know, that's, you need those people in the pit area um, who can go out and, you know, and, and do well, um, and tr- keep trying to do better, uh, that's the personality of the pit area that, you know, so I'm excited that he's coming back. And, and I know that if Billy were in the right equipment, you know, you drop him in uh, Otto's car or, you know, whatever. Um, I know Billy runs it the way that it, it would be run. I, I believe that Billy has the talent to run up front. You know, he's just not going to have the resources that the top teams have. So, um, but he's going to have a whole lot of fun, and like I said, you need guys like Billy and Hal in the pit area, and um, their throwbacks. Again, it's it's still connection back aways, right? So um, that's fun. That's uh, it's good to see. Who else? Uh, any any other new uh, registrations? Uh, that's pretty much it for the supers. I can I can tell you who's registered so far. We have Brandon yeah. Ballinger commitment, Otto Sitterly commitment, and we talked about last week Mike McFetta and Danny Shirey registering. Jamie Timmons also registered, won't be full-time. I think he'll kind of dabble back and forth as he did last season. Yeah. Allison Slode, 
commitment, obviously. Bobby Bond, no commitment there. I think the plan is to maybe run three or four races. Now, Dave is Bands he a commitment car? Do we know? Uh, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Do we know if Bobby's got still got the the forty seven, or is he running the? Because uh, I. I had heard that one or both of them were for sale, and I thought I heard that one of them was sold. Um, do we know which car he's got? Well, I know that the car that he ran last year in the Classic was the 25. Yeah. And they they kind of converted that over to IFS for, for Tyler Schulich to race when he came out and ran the Classic. Yeah. And I think the initial plan was for Tyler to be in the car for Classic last year. Yeah. And he just couldn't make it because of his commitments with Thor Sport, so Bobby ended up being in it. And I think from what I have at least been told this year is that Bobby will continue to run that car and that Tyler might make a few races with the 47. I haven't heard that either car is for really? sale. Interesting. Um, I know Tyler's made a couple posts about how he's looking forward to getting back in a super a few times this year, and I, I think that's the plan right now. Um, I I see on the countdown I used the other day with, with Mike Bond, Denise, his car owner, did get on and say that Mike planned to run select races and, and Bobby select races as well, but we also received commitment payment from Mike, so <laughs> I'm not really sure. It's 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 always hard to say with, with those Bond brothers, but we'll see. Uh, I think they'll both be back at least for several races, and hopefully Tyler too. See, I think that's that's intriguing to me because you've you've got obviously a newer style Hawk, and then Bobby's was an old extreme chassis, if I remember right. Yep. Um, but he's converted it now that we, of course, we've had IFS now for a few years, but now being able to do that, if Bobby's going to drive it, that means he's made the choice that he feels like he has. Um, you know, the ability to go run up front and, and chase wins with that car, say, seeing that the IFS would have made that much of a difference. So that's kind of intriguing. And, and, and then you're you're basically giving up a car that has been a proven winner and proven fast uh, and, and maybe putting Tyler Schillick in it. So that's um, that would be intriguing to me if he made that choice. And But either way, it would be good to have Bobby back when um, – when he can or when he wants to, yep. and it would be great to see Tyler back up here. Tyler's done well for himself. I'm 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 happy to see, you know, the work that he's doing with Thor Sport. That's a good outfit, and and he's obviously, um, you know, spent some time there now. So, uh, you know, and he Tyler's a kid who can he he runs up front in anything he drives. So he's yep. uh, he's a fun kid to watch. So that would be good to have him back. Yeah, I really hope he does come back. I, I enjoyed talking to him, and obviously was very impressive in, in the, the little time he did have in the, the Super and, and SBS win as well. So um, that would be great. And that car, actually, Bobby's car, is the car that he won, I think it was 2010. Yeah. He won Kane of Wayne's and Classic with yep. it. Yeah. Um, and then one of the years that ended up on the, the backstretch upside down in the Classic. That's so. right, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, he did. it's nice that it's kind of found a, a new life. Well, yeah, and that's why I said I think it's interesting that if, if in fact, Bobby is going to run that over the 47. And, of course, I, you know, I've never really quite understood, and I, I don't – I say this – purely as it as it means not i'm not implying anything here i've never quite understood um 
exactly the relationship between Bobby and Denise other than he drove for Denise for a while, obviously with the 47. The 25 has always been his. So um, if he mm-hmm. would choose to drive the older car, I don't know. What, you know, Again, I don't want to imply anything just to say that, that it's interesting that he would go back to running his own car over you know uh, the newer car that, that um, Denise has. And it may be that Denise doesn't want to run the car full-time or as much as Bobby might want to run. Who knows? Um, but, um, you know, that's been a, a very uh, productive relationship over the years, for sure, yeah, to say the least, sure you know, and, and with Mike as well on the, on the um, SBS side. So, um, you know, just be interesting. But it'll be good to have, no matter which car he decides to run, be good to have him back at the track. And, um, yeah. you know, good to uh, see that Mike's coming back as well. And good to see that Tyler may be back. Um, you know, the, we need all the cars we get. So, For um, sure. yeah, yeah, it's all good. Anything new other than Mike um, on the SBS side or on the 350 Super side? Nope, nothing really new on the SBS side. Just Just those rookies. Um, that we talked about last week, I think I said, Oh no, I stopped at Bobby. Um, Dave Danzer registered for commitment. Halitulip as well. We talked about him and and Todd Stoll. So those are our super registrants. Okay. Yeah. We have the same deal as last week. Ken Moody, Mark Denny, Steve Flack, Matt Germain, Derek Hilton. And then we got Mike Bond. Okay. Um, and those will all be commitment cars. So that's encouraging. 350. I did get a registration for Vern Lefave. Wow. That's awesome. So Good for that's, him. Uh, that's a story to get on top of here as we get closer to the to the season, obviously, yeah. with the, the circumstances and what happened last year. It'll just be great to see him back in a race car at a Swiggo Speedway. Yeah, that's a praise the Lord moment right there because, I mean, I feel I, I view the, the Vern Lefave crash the same way I view the Ryan Newman crash in mm-hmm. Daytona. Yep. It's just, it's a miracle. I mean, that's that it, both of them could have been, you know, much, 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 much worse. And, um, it'll be great. Vern is a great guy. And again, he's not just a Swiggo, but racing in general. Um, he just loves it. And you, you want those people to be able to continue to do their thing as long as they want to. And, um, so that's good that Vern is uh, going to be coming back. Do we know what, uh, do we know what car he has? Um, I I kind of do, and I I, I kind of don't. It's one of those rumor things that I've oh. kind of been back and forth on. It's a Muldoon car. I know oh. that much. I don't know which Muldoon car it is. Well, he's driven for Mike. He drove. He ran Mike's. Didn't he run a couple classics in Mike's cars? Or ran some? Do I remember him? Was it him or was it someone uh, else? I'm trying to I, remember. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm try, I'm thinking back, uh, gosh, I don't know. I can't remember who it was. I think somebody, the year that Brian drove, Brian Sobis drove the 60 car. Brian's going to be our guest here in a few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, I think it was Vern that was running one of Mike's cars that year in the classic, I remember. But uh, at any rate, it would be good to have him back and, um, you know, good to see yeah. him back on the track. So that's a... That's a great thing. So we, uh, how many 350s then do we have uh, registered already? Uh, there's five registered right now. Okay. And we, uh, we know of at least three or four more, right, that haven't. Pre- right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, we're probably, I would guess, what, maybe a dozen? 
I, yeah, I mean, I think that's realistic. Anywhere from 10 to 12 weeks yeah. is what I'm hoping for. And then uh, sprinkle in some of the New England guys like yes. uh, Stephen Dufilly and, and John Leonard have, have already registered. So that's oh, cool. that's good, too. So, yes, yeah, Stephen was tough to beat last year. He came up and won a lot of races. So Yeah, um, you can't beat the experience. That's, no, you know, I think no. those guys, the first year, those guys obviously out-experienced our guys. Yep. I think when you get to this year, the guys that ran last year and got the track time and, you know, some of them showed speed, but then, you know, we're having issues with motors or whatever. If, if we can get them to just step up just a little bit and have better luck, um, you know, I think, I think you'll see more of those guys that are, that are chasing Steven and, and able to race with him. I think that was just uh because most of the New England guys that came, um, you know, finished up front. And I feel like that was more about experience in, at least in, in, in large part, than it was anything else. The new, the Oswego guys were, you know, dialing in the cars and figuring the whole thing out and, you know, whatever. So um, I don't know that I feel like it's going to be so kind of one-sided as maybe it was last year when those guys came up. So, you know, at least I hope not. You no, know, we could get them up right. there and, and um, right. make it a little more competitive. But, um, yeah, Steven's a, uh, a good guy and, a, and a, obviously a, a, a great shoe in that division. Um, you know, I don't know why he's not running a super for crying out loud. He's, you know, he's one of those guys that's like, gosh, you know, you know where there's some super modifieds. Why, yeah. why isn't he doing that? Um, you know, I hope he moves up. Him and Jeffrey Battle both, I think, are right. talented enough to, you know, and would add a great deal to Isma uh, should they do that. So, yeah. um, but anyways, that's all good. Uh, and of course, the schedule is set. Um, what else is new? What else is going on uh, at the Speedway? Well, I read uh, Bob Andrews' comment on on Facebook last week about John Testerario having a 350, and I I yeah. did not know that. <laughs> I did know that uh, Pat Strawn has a frame that he's had in his shop for a while now, and I think what it actually is is the car. I don't know if you remember this or not. But Jerry Kern got hooked in a heat race, and he like climbed the front stretch wall, rode the wall down into turn one. Oh like, wow, yeah, I, I do remember that actually. I, I think it's that car. Um, wow. And they they clipped it, and Pat is is redoing it, so. It's it's either that car that he's in or it's the older West four bar car. See, I that's I what, don't know if it's that or not. That's but. what I would have first thought. I didn't realize he had yeah. another frame. Um, so I mean, obviously, I don't know which one, but yeah, it was funny because and, and this is, you know, it's like we we try to be in touch, but it's hard to know everything that's going on out there unless someone tells us. So you you accidentally <laughs> right. gave me a great segue to to once again say to those who are listening to the show um if you know of something that's going on whether it's a swigo any of the divisions at a swigo or uh 350 or smack at star or isma or MSS or the West Coast, I think I covered it all. Um, it doesn't matter. We want to be the news source. The problem is we don't know what's going on unless somebody actually tells us. Um, just go to the Inside Groove Facebook page and send us a message. 
um, you know, or send me a, a message on my page or, or Cam. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all pretty available. And so, um, you know, if 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 you know something that's going on, let us know. Because, and again, you know, a lot of people have uh, are, are having fundraisers and such. We want to promote those too, but you got to tell us. Don't assume that we just see it online because you know if you post something at four o'clock by five o'clock it's out of most people's feeds so you know unless they go to a group or go look you know don't assume that we see it just make sure we have it in our hands and we'll be happy to get the word out for you that is that is something that we really want to do so um yeah but that's that's great that uh, john's coming back and i and i um, I'm happy I did not realize because I had heard that he was doing something, but I didn't realize that Pat was involved. And I'm happy about that because Pat's a great guy. And yeah. obviously yeah. they've been kind of, you know, on the sidelines for the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm glad that he can at least have has got some way to kind of get back into it. Um, whether it's I don't know if he's going to, you know. Um, excuse me, and maybe you know better, but I don't know if he's just helping him build the car, if he's going to be part owner and, you know, they're going to run it together or what the situation is. Again, maybe somebody can let us know, but yeah, that'd be great. You know, um, but either way, I'm just happy to see that he's back, uh, back in the, in, in the, uh, the fold and back kind of working mm-hmm. on the car. So, um, and John's a, a great shoe. So that's going to be a nice addition to the 350 class. It will. Yeah, it's, it's great to see him involved again. I know it's been a few years. I think he came back and ran one classic. Maybe it was 17 or, or 16, and he hasn't been back since. Yeah. He did register last year and uh, never never showed up, obviously. So I I would like to think maybe it's it's the car that Strawns have been trying to sell as a roller. But then again, I know the other car that, that Kern had and, and wrecked has kind of been like Pat's back project, so to speak. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, the, the Strons, it's it's nice to, to see them involved again. Very, yeah. very passionate, been involved for a long number of years. And I know Pat and Terry want to be involved as, as much as possible, whether it's it's helping Jerry Kern out like they've done for so many years or, or owning a car or, or helping John. And, and they've they've been a big help to us as well. He, he was actually, Pat was fixing our rear end for our car a couple of weeks ago. So I guess oh, I really? went out and, and got the scoop when, when my dad was out there with him. So I'll have to follow up and and get the details. See, I keep telling you, you need to spend more time in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) Look what I would find out. Exactly. See, it's not even just working on the car. It's the gossip. See? Got to get the gossip. You got to get the gossip. Uh, Well, yeah, I remember, uh, this is a funny story, too, and and every time I think about Pat or Terry, they were were nuts enough to let me tag along with them to... uh, um, to Michigan for one year. Um, I think Jerry was, I can't remember if Jerry was driving still or it was Osite now that I think about it, but, um, I think it was Jerry still, but anyways, we, we went to, uh, they, they raced, Isma raced at Kalamazoo and Berlin. And, you know, I can remember being in the truck and we drove through, I think it was Detroit, like downtown Detroit at like one or two in the morning with a a super modified on an open trailer. (laughs) That's, uh, (laughs) 
And it's kind of like you just, you know, um, you, you say a prayer and hope that you make it uh, kind of thing. Um, not necessarily the best part of the country to be to be driving through. But we uh, we had a great time. That was fun. Berlin was um I could I could share this because it, it was one of those moments in my time in the sport that I think is one of my all-time favorite moments. Berlin's Berlin. I don't, have you ever been to Berlin? No, never. They have. I don't think they. I don't think it's this way anymore. I think they built one on the on the outside of the the track. But their their tower, uh, officials tower, where you announced and scored and whatever from, used to be on the inside of the track. So it was like in the infield. Um, in the pit area. So, um, you know, you're the announcer, which was me, because that's why I went. I was announcing the two shows. The um, the announcer faced the grandstand. And at Berlin, they they basically had to, they had a full house. I mean, they had standing room only. Um, it was a huge crowd. And as I was, as I was, you know, the day went along, the group in turn four that were sitting in the grandstand, um, you know, it's kind of it was kind of a turn four crazies thing. Like, you know, you could say the word fish and they would scream for no reason. It was just, they were a really enthusiastic <laughs> bunch. And so I had this idea. This was back when um, back when Miller Lite was doing the taste great, less filling commercials. So you get two people arguing, you know, tastes great, less filling, tastes great. So I ended up, <laughs> I ended up doing this thing. We were, I think it was the intermission before the feature started. I ended up get getting turn four versus the rest of the front stretch grandstand. And first it was just who could scream the loudest. And then, and then I thought of the Miller Lite thing. So it was taste great, less filling, taste great, less filling. And, and it, I had some of the, the, the teams were telling me after the show that they actually stopped working on their cars and jumped up on top of the trailer because all they could hear was people screaming. And they had no idea why. Like they just, it was, that was one of the more, um, fun <laughs> moments of my career, just. Uh, but that trip was was a lot of fun, and and uh, you know, of course, I I worked with Terry for a little while. Um, at uh, when it was it was James Way back then, um, and now it's uh, where Price Chopper is now. But um, so you know, they've been friends a while, and I I really uh, appreciated them allowing me to to go along on that trip. So yeah, there's a there's a little bit of a, a story for us for the show this week, but that's just one of those memories that I'll never forget because, you know, when you're announcing, you want to try to have fun and you're trying to, you don't want to be the show, but you want to help, you want to in some way, you know, make people appreciate the show. And, and those, it was, it was irresistible. Turn four was just, those guys were, and I don't know if they were all drunk out of their mind or what, but they were, they were rowdy as it gets. So that was a fun, that was a fun time. Um, but, uh, okay, so um, any other news that we need to pass along? Uh, is my MSS anything? Um, I think that's pretty much it. I know we kind of jumped all over the place, but, um, no, I haven't heard anything too pertinent as far as any ISMA stuff or, or MSS to this point so far. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, go back to the expo then, because I don't want to let you go without reminding everybody of times and what's going on so run us through the schedule for the weekend um for the expo show and also what you know from from the uh, tq races as well for anybody that might be driving in 
Sure. Yeah, we're just we're just setting up for the expo Friday night, and uh, then everybody's going over to the the exposition center for the indoor auto racing finale, and it's it's the it's the conclusion of the three race championship. So the the points championships, obviously, for all three divisions, will will be coming to a close. Uh, racing Friday at seven thirty. Both days we'll have all three divisions: TQ midgets, champ carts, and and slingshots. So seven thirty on Friday. 7 o'clock on Saturday, and then Tyler Thompson and, and Michael Barnes will be racing both nights for, for super modified fans, keeping track. And um, Michael Barnes doing really well, honestly, in his, yeah. first, his first attempt at this. They're 11th and 12th in points, respectively. So that's that's uh, very good, really very good out of 50-something competitors sure. to be sitting up there, uh, especially Barnes in his first season. So looking forward to watching them. Uh, like I said, Oswego Speedway going to sponsor the heat races this weekend. $50 going to each preliminary winner in the TQ Midget Division on both days. And that's that's pretty much the, the racing, the racing aspect of it. Um, great place for a race. It's it's beautiful in there. It wasn't. It didn't. It didn't smell too bad for all the people that complain about the, the fumes and stuff indoors. <laughs> they've, they've got it vented pretty well. That's good. It's vented pretty well. I I didn't mind it at all. Actually, I was pretty impressed. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be a it'll be a fun time. The expo itself, ten to eight on Saturday, and eleven to four Sunday. Thirteen dollars for adults, five dollars for kids six to twelve, and five and under free. Or if you're coming both days, there's a a two-day pass for $20, and the schedule for everything is at SyracuseMotorsportsExpo.com. SyracuseMotorsportsExpo.com, okay. Uh, well, it, uh, it's getting closer. Uh, the Expo obviously is, I guess you could say, in a way, the unofficial start to the season in central New York, and you get to see uh, some of the new cars and stars and uh, see what's going to be going on throughout the year. So, um, you know, hope everybody has a good time and enjoys the TQ races as well. That is Camden Proud and uh, Cam, of course, as always, will keep us up to date on everything that's going on at Oswego as we move along eat with each week's show. So uh, appreciate you coming back on, Cam. We know you got a lot of work to do to get things ready for uh, the weekend, so we'll let you get back to it and look forward to a wrap-up on next week's Inside Groove. Thanks, Tom. Looking forward to it. That is Camden Proud, and we're going to step aside for a moment when we come back. The boss, Brian Sobis, going to join us to talk about his return to small block racing, SBS style, with Andrew Shartner. I'm telling you, this is going to be the most entertaining pit area in all of the infield uh, to be in next year, uh, this year, I should say. And um, we're going to talk to Brian about that uh, when we come back. So stick around. We'll be back with more of Inside Groove right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. 
My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode 36. And Brian Sobis has joined us now. And this is fun because I've known Brian. Um, I was thinking about this actually uh, last week when I found out that he and Andrew Sharter were going to team up. Known Andrew since he was about nine years old. I was trying to remember when I first met Brian Sobis. And I think I've got it pinned down to Frozen Ocean Motorsports Park, which was a uh, dirt go-kart track up in uh, central New York outside of Auburn, and I think it was 2001, uh, the nearest I can come up with. I think I'm I'm on track there. I was announcing, and Brian showed up and started racing there, and um, you ended up in a swiggle, and, and you've had a pretty decent career there, Brian, and um, now you're going to get a chance after being out of the seat for a little bit. You're going to get a chance to get back in and team with a really good friend in Andrew Shartner and run some races in the SBS division again. Talk about how that all came together from your perspective. Well, I'm first I'm I'm really excited to race with Andrew and Carl. They're they're great people. I've known them for a long time and uh, very good friends of mine and they're first class people all the way. Um Andrew Andrew took part of the season off last year. Um kind of you know team owner tom osterud's kind of stepped aside and and decided he was about done doing it and they were looking for some help working on the car at the track mainly and i talked to andrew and he said hey if you you know if you could come and help me at the track that would be great i said hey i'm there and um that was kind of how that started and then it wasn't long after that we kind of got Fast forwarding to this year, uh, Carl and Andrew had both kind of said that they Andrew wasn't going to race full time. They they want to race full time, but Andrew can't make that commitment anymore. Right. And asked if it was something that I'd be interested in, in driving again. And yeah, I mean, I'd kind of been chomping at the bit to do it. I I just I can't really. It's not feasible for me to own my own equipment and stuff. I, I just, I just can't do it anymore. Um, so, you know, here comes a deal where I can run part time. It's, it's not my car. It's, you know, I'm still working on the car, but it's not, it's not my whole deal. Right. <clears throat> yeah, a little different for you now. Uh, you know that you got a family and, um, of course, uh, work responsibility, and you know it's, it's just tough to tough to do it yourself and i know you and andrew go back a long way and andrew talked uh i don't know if you had a chance to listen to last week's show but andrew talked about the similarity in your driving styles and one of the things i focused on was the fact that the two of you were were two of the only drivers or have been two of the only drivers that I've seen really master the top line at Oswego in the SBS. We had Dave Gruel and maybe one or two others that have done pretty well up there too. But um, I think the two of you were, um, you know, or are two of the guys that are just not afraid to put the car up there. Talk about what it's like to run the top and, and just talk about what Andrew said a little bit. Do you agree with his assessment? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be pretty hairy, but, man, I, I just, 
I would get so frustrated. You can't you can't give up seven or eight laps in a row of trying the trying the inside. You know, you you'll give up the whole feature and not go anywhere. So, you know, a lot of times if the car if the car seems to work out there, you can really make up a lot of ground and get by guys and and you know it works. And not a lot of guys not a lot of guys will go to the outside. So you're kind of going somewhere they won't. And um, I think we've always been pretty successful and and getting by probably more cars on the top than on the bottom at Oswego. And that's kind of interesting to me because you just, like I said, you don't see a lot of guys doing that. And Andrew made the point that it was probably a little more fun before when you were on the smaller tires and, and everybody was kind of sliding around a little bit. And now they've gone to, you know, the the the, the bigger tires and, and the tires have more grip and, and you've got, you know, kind of more a little more arrow, so to speak, in the cars. Um, but nonetheless, it's... Uh, it's still a competitive division, and now with the crate motors, you're seeing some guys have a shot to be competitive that maybe weren't as competitive before, and the division seems to be in the midst of a real bounce back. We've got about five or six new guys coming in and you know to run the class, so uh, it seems like at least that um, in terms of car count, it's going to be a good year to be in the SBS class, and therefore I would think a fun year for you to come back and mix it up. Yeah, the the division's definitely on an upswing. I mean, they had a tough year last year, first year with the crate engines, you know, but boy, it it took off uh, probably a little bit better than I think it would for this year. What is there like five or six rookies yeah. this year? I mean, that's un- unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's going to be really tough. And it always is really tough. That class is, it didn't matter when there was 14 cars there last year. It's still really tough to get yeah. a top five. Yeah. You know, that's for sure. There's definitely, there's never been any real lack of talent in that class at all. I mean, trust me, I, I'm, I know I'm going to have my work cut out for me, and I haven't really made a race car go fast in five years, so <laughs> I just hope I can remember how to make a race car go fast. Oh, I, th- I, th- I think you'll remember. I don't think you're going to have any problem with that. Um, now, let's go back a little bit. So you started racing go-karts, and you live in Auburn, or lived in Auburn, and, and you you know, you were kind of in the midst of all the dirt track stuff that was going on at the time, and yet you you migrated toward a swiggo um was that a decision based on the fact that you just wanted to go pavement racing or was there some other reason that you decided to uh to go that route instead of maybe doing something on the dirt at weedsport and some of the tracks that are almost literally right or were almost literally right in your backyard at that time oh it's it was all my grandfather's fault it's all his <laughs> fault <laughs> Um, he took me to Oswego since I was probably six or seven years old. Every week we went to the races together and, um, there was nothing more I wanted to do when I got old enough than to start racing at Oswego. And yeah, weed sport was in my backyard and rolling wheels was even closer. Yeah. And honestly, I would go to the, I would go to the dirt tracks here and there, but I never had a ton of interest in it. It was always Oswego Speedway for me. That's interesting. And, and, and you were an Otto Sitterly fan growing up, if, as I remember that your your carts were all Auto seventy nine, and and that was you were you were a big fan. And I would even go so far as to say um, a bit of a protege of 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 uh, Otto's. Yeah, I, in my younger years, I was always a diehard Jamie Moore fan. 
my father course, used to help him work on his sure. car during yeah. the week. Oh, wow. So I, I was kind of born into a, being a Jamie fan. Um, and once I saw auto racing in the limiteds, I was immediately a fan. Um, he, he always impressed me. And so I've always been an auto fan since that since that time. Well, you certainly have some similar qualities in terms of being smooth and and yet knowing when to be aggressive. And you've always been a driver that's really liked the long races, even in go karts. They had the used to have the Ironman race, and and you know you you were always good in the longer events. What it is what is it about your your driving style or your mentality that you think favors that? I don't know. I, I guess I've never been the type to just go flat out right from the start. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like to try and conserve the car a little bit. So a longer race seems to suit me a little bit better. You know, the classic, you know, you get in the second half of the race and guys are spinning their tires and they've totally worn out their equipment in the first hundred laps and they got nothing left. They're hanging out for dear life. And, you know, a lot of times I'll still have a pretty decent car under me because I'll, you know, go drive half throttle for the first half of the race and save the car for the second half. I've just kind of always been more of a conserving driver. Yeah. Yeah. Conservative driver. That's a good, that is a good way uh, to actually, I think that's a, a, a great way to talk about your driving style. Um, very smart driver, um, you know, able to, to save equipment. Uh, you've watched Oswego evolve over the years and both the SBS and the, the super modified class. Um, what's your opinion of, of the racing at Oswego and in both divisions, because you've been involved with both of them and obviously, so you're coming back to run the SBS. Honestly, there's there's no better bang for your buck than an SBS right now. You can get into those cars pretty reasonably. You know, obviously the engines aren't that expensive. There's a good tire rule. And the SBS division right now is is probably going to be stealing some people from the dirt sportsman division. Um, and what can I say about the supers? I mean, I, I love supers. I always have, and they are the coolest race car you could ever drive. And I, I, man, I could keep you up all night with all my woulda, coulda, shoulda, coulda won a race here or there, but we just never were able, never quite got the job done to win a feature, finish second a few times. But, um, it, unfortunately it's, it's a definitely a rich man's division. And, Man, I just I can't <laughs> I can't keep up with it. Yeah, there's no question. It it takes a lot, that's for sure. Would you get back into a super if you had the right situation? Oh, I would kill the I would kill to get back into the supers. They're just they are so much fun to drive. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but running the SBS with Andrew, and you talk about, you you, you say that Andrew will probably run more races than you. Uh, Andrew said last week, if you get in the car and start winning a race or two, um, he's probably going to just let you keep going. So um, we, we could have a little bit of an intra-squad competition going on here. Well, that's probably why he's going to run more races than I will. <laughs> <laughs> You're lacking some confidence here, Sobis. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, it'll it'll probably take me a couple weeks to really get like reacquainted with it, and maybe I can get enough practice that I'm kind of more comfortable in the car going into the first race for me. But 
it's going to take a little bit of getting used to. Um, I haven't driven one in seven years. And Has it been that going, long? Going from wow. a Super back to an SBS is actually a tougher transition than going from an SBS to a Super in my eyes. Why? You just you have to manhandle the cars. They don't have the rubber. They, I mean, they don't they don't handle half as good as a Super. The Supers almost drive themselves. I mean, you, you pretty much drive themselves through the corners and just get it pointed straight and mash the throttle down the straightaway. I mean, the Supers honestly drive a little bit easier, and, and in my opinion, I think they're a little, actually a little bit easier car to drive than an SPS. Well, that. That would make sense, though, given the the uh, like you said, the wider tires, and of course, you know, the offset and, the, and all of that. I mean, it's a it's almost a different car. I mean, I, I you know, I don't I don't really feel like I'm insulting the the class when I say that the SBS car is not a super modified. So it, it's it's kind of its own thing. It, you know, they've they've kind of it used to be uh, like an IMCA car without a roof. Um, and, and now it's, it's, it's really kind of its own dog. It's kind of a, you know, a one-off sort of car, um, that, that really is not anything related to a super modified other than perhaps they look somewhat similar sort of in some ways, but, um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, um, what's your opinion of the, of a swig of bringing in the three fifties? Cause I feel like it makes the absolute perfect step ladder now because you can go from a go-kart to an SBS car. Um, and I say go-kart to SBS for those who don't know who Oswego has the dirt cart track in the back. And, and so this is, you know, again, there's a progression from a go-kart to an entry level SBS car to a 350 super. And hopefully at some point you can get to a, you know, a regular super. What do you think about that? I think those 350 cars are great. Um, they're going to take off. I don't know. I think they're going to probably get a few more cars this year than they had last year, which is awesome. You know, I think give it another year or two, and that's going to be a, a damn good division. Yeah. They've already put on some really good races, and especially when the New England guys come into town, so they actually have a full field. You know, they're, they're, they got 18, 20 cars. Um, they put on a really good race, and it's only going to get better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, I think right now Oswego Speedway is poised for long-term success with this three-class setup that they've got. And I love that they're bringing in some other divisions this year, too, that we haven't seen in a while. Of course, the Super Stocks will be back. Um, but the... Um, you know, the uh, sportsman modifieds and uh, the, the Midwest compact touring class that's coming classic weekend, I think is going to surprise a lot of people. Those those guys are very serious about what they do. And uh, I'm looking forward to being at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indy in June for the four division show with um, the Midwest Super Series and the must see sprints and the in the uh, Midwest compacts and the super uh, the um, the uh Super uh, boy, I'm going to screw this up. The Stock Car Super Series that's uh, that's running there, um, Super Cup Stock Car Series. That four division show is going to be a big show, and I think it's great that Oswego is bringing some newer divisions in for people to see. I think it's it makes it a lot of fun, and and uh, I love the schedule this year. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely showing that they're dedicated to uh, keeping that place alive and making it go. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, what? it's, they're doing a good job with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, uh, Andrew says he's going to start the season and then, uh, around June, you get your shot and you're going to be able to, of course, you'll both practice it, I'm sure, preseason. Um, but, uh, you got to be looking forward to this, right? Just getting back in the saddle and having some fun with Andrew and Carl and the rest of the group. I'm really looking forward to it. You, you know what? There's really no pressure other than, you know, Andrew's Andrew's going to harass me a little bit here and there. But, um, <laughs> oh, you'll give it back. That, I mean, <laughs> it's really just go out and have fun. Yeah. You know, Carl just wants to have fun. He wants to do some more racing. And it doesn't matter if we finish first or if we finish fifth or whatever. We're, we're honestly, my objective is to just go have some fun. Yeah. Well, and I think that's I think that's a given with 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 that group. Um, you know, I mean, we've all known each other for years and you know, you and Andrew have been good friends and Carl and I mean, it's just uh that's that's going to be a, a a fun place to be on Saturday nights and uh you know, to be able to be in the pit. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting up there uh when I can and and hanging out with you guys. Um but you know, it's it's great to see you coming back and you know, I know that it was tough for you to let the super super go because that was kind of um I mean, first of all, I still say it was one of the prettiest cars I've ever seen at Oswego. But second of all, um, you know, I know that was, you know, that was kind of your your dream to be able to have that. So I know it was hard to let it go. But um, at least you're going to get to come back and run some races in the SBS and who knows what the future brings. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very excited. And I can't thank uh, Carl and Andrew enough for um, considering me to do it. You know, I've been out of the game for a while now. And um, it's pretty cool that they um they you know thought of me to do this well it's going to be a lot of fun and we're looking forward to seeing what you can do uh we appreciate you giving us a few minutes to talk to us about it and reintroduce yourself to uh the uh the fans and i'm sure that we're going to be seeing the 18 car up front with both of you behind the wheel uh and again it should just be uh a lot of fun and it's great that carl is able to do this and uh the team and, and the sponsors that they've got to kind of come together to uh field that car full time because obviously the more cars we have the better yeah definitely all right. Well, that's Brian Sobis, and we will be back with more of Inside Groove right after these words. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at strutmasters.com. 
Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode number 36. And we are now joined by a driver that I've been really looking forward to interviewing at some point over this offseason. And um, he and I had a conversation last week about something entirely different, and we'll be addressing that uh, on a future show. But um, we, uh, we're going to talk with Mike Muldoon Sr. here. And um, Mike, first of all, thanks for taking the time to do this. I know that you're busy. You guys are building cars like crazy and uh, getting close to the season for uh, Michael. But uh, I want to start this interview um, the way that we generally start most interviews for the drivers that I call legends, the older guys who are no longer racing. Um, You grew up, obviously, with your dad racing. Tell me what your, your dad drove a ton of different cars. At what point in your dad's career it, does your first memory of of going to watch him race, or who is he driving for? Tell us about that period. Well, the first the first year he raced was 1968, and I went to the races when I was eight years old. Oh, okay. So you were old enough yeah. even when he started. Yeah, first, okay. First race day, you know, I used to ride with him. Matter of fact, uh, we had a, you know a big family, and we only had one vehicle. So my father had a motorcycle, and he used to strap me on the motorcycle at eight years old. And, oh, no uh, kidding! Right from Ballinsville to Oswego. <laughs> well, now that must have been a bunch of fun for an eight year old. Well, he had he had a big belt, and he used to strap me around him because I'd fall asleep, and he was worried about me falling off. Oh. <laughs> so he used to put a belt on around both of us. I've I've never known anybody to want to fall asleep on a motorcycle before. Yeah, when you're eight years old, that happens. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. So sure. you you were around for your dad's whole career, um, oh, yeah. and you saw him. You know, obviously he he went back and forth, drove for a lot of different people, saw him multiple times. You know, yep. it, do you have these? It, it, are there any stories that come to mind anything that, that jumps out at you when you think about your dad's uh, driving over the years and all the times he spent well by, by the time by the time he we made him me and jimmy isaac made him a car yes it was in 1984 and by that time he was so crippled that he couldn't race and when yeah. he could race all he did is drive junk yeah and, i mean he drove for bob graff his first year his rookie year i mean i can remember the classic in 68 there was i don't know 55, 60 cars there. Yeah. And, you know, he qualified two time trials. And, you know, um, Nolan Swift, you know, many a times came over and said, boy, it's just, uh, you know, we get you a good car. I'm pretty sure you're going to be a good racer. But, unfortunately, at the end of the year, Bob Graff went in a different direction. And um, um, I believe he went with Freddie Graves in, in 69, a little bit. Jack Murphy drove the car. And, you know, they end up selling the car to Dick Jarrett out of Mexico, but that's a long the story. The 80 car, yeah. You know, after that, he, you know, he, he went and drove Nick Virgo's car, which is, you know, they had a Pontiac. It went nowhere. And it was just one junker after another. Isn't that the, the one where, he bought I, at one point, the 23? Didn't he buy that? Wasn't that his, first, his 68 he bought car? That, yeah, he bought that and he turned it to 68. Yeah, and, okay. You know, we had, we had, you know, five, six kids in our family and, 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 you know, couldn't afford a tire, let alone a race car. And, yeah. and said, you know, I, I got so frustrated. I said to my father, saying, Dad, I, I can't do it. I can't work on it. <laughs> you know, he went, he went and the Hermie Graf gave him the C-15, you know, with first time he was so excited. First time he was going to have a Chevrolet motor yeah. and finally say, oh, could go down the straightaway. And the car was such junk that um, I refused to work on it. And actually Jimmy Isaac stayed and worked with him, but I told my father, I can't do it. Wow. I can't, don't feel I got a half a shake going to the racetrack. I'm not going. I'm, I quit working on it at that year. I just didn't go to track with them and 
told him, I said, I'm sick of working on junk, and that's all you're going to do is drive junk, and you're going to look like junk. Tell you what, the times that, that um, you know, I can remember him, he had some pretty good runs um, off and on, at least, for, um, for yeah. in the 37 car and in the 59 yeah. a couple times for June. And then, Again, he drove the 37 with a Buick motor. Yeah. That had 150 horse less than everybody else at the track. Wow. I mean, you know, just Freddie Gray's had the car, had a Chevrolet in it, ran really well. When Freddie left, the motor left. They put a homemade, oh. you know, Bill Marsh didn't have no money. He was a farmer, great, great guy, you know, made his own yeah. heads, made his own injection. I mean, the guy made everything for the motor, and he actually he he forged his own pistons. That's how smart he was. Oh, wow. Yeah, but the motor was still, still you know, I don't know, 383 or whatever it was, Buick wow. or whatever it was, but it was still, still, you know, they were on 454s and 427s. And, and with strokers at the time, and he's running, you know, 400 horsepower motor against guys that had 700. Yeah. It's just crazy. I he, said, then what are we doing here? I can't, I couldn't take it. You could tell that uh, he had the ability, you know, and, yep. and just didn't uh, always have the equipment in that, in that car that you, uh, you guys built the 08 yep. there. That was yep. just a beautiful car. And I'll never forget the night he went, dropped under the 18 second barrier. I literally, yep. when they announced it, I stood up and cheered. It was like, you know, cause yep. your dad and my dad both worked at Niagara Mohawk. So, you know, yep. I, your dad, whenever I would talk to him, he, he knew who I was and was just super yep. nice to me. So, you know, it's one of those drivers, you know, that you watch and you always want to see do well. And gosh, he, he got a hundred percent out of everything he drove, but, uh, just, you know, just never had the, I think if he'd had the kind of equipment that, you know, he got at the end of his career, earlier in his career, he would have had a whole different career. Oh, absolutely. Would have had a different career. He just, you know, if you, if you're so far behind, and you get in a car that bad, you just not you can't make gold working with silver. Yeah, you know what I mean, it, it just um, it just it was crazy. I mean, his whole career was just driving junk. But he had a love for the sport and worked for anybody and everybody for nothing. Yeah, and always gave more than what he got. Yep, he sure did. Yeah, he he built uh, built a couple cars for people, and yep. um, yeah, I remember Don Haas. That was a nice car well, that he built. Don, well, you know, it's stupid. Well, Don wasn't really, I don't think, at the time ready for the car, but um, nope. but he, uh, you know, it, nope. it was a nice looking piece for sure. Um, now, I heard a story a while back, and I want to I want to ask you, you. You people say things, and half the time you don't know if it's truth or fiction. So I'm going to throw it out there, and you can because I think it's a it's a funny. story story if it is true i heard somebody told me a while back that back when your dad had the virgo car um i think it was probably the last maybe the last year he had it or whatever he and your mom went away for a weekend and you sort of just decided you want uh, you're laughing this must be a true story you took the car went to fulton is that true well here's what happened me and jimmy i was in high school i was 16 years old well, you know back then everybody went to broadwells when you were 14 yeah, <laughs> we were drinking Friday night at Broadwells, and the more we drank, I said, "You know, Jimmy, I think we should just take that car up. I mean, what can we do that he hasn't done to it?" So he says, to me, "Are you serious?" I go, "Yeah, meet me at the garage at eight o'clock. Let's load the thing up." So we <laughs> loaded it up, took it to Fulton. We got there, and it says, um, "Where's your father?" I said, "Oh, he's coming. He's coming. Just we want to park down to the end. Send us all the way down to the end of the drag strip." So I got his uniform on, got his helmet on, and went out and raced the thing. <laughs> you you yeah. raced it as Jim Muldoon? 
Yep, yep, you're right. Yep, sixteen years old. How did Jim Muldoon do that night? Yeah, um, that was my first race. I, I remember we finished like I don't know, twelve, thirteenth, and I got out of the car and said to Jimmy, "That's this motor's junk." I said, "Step on I feel like I'm driving the pickup truck up here." I told him, "I said, you give me a motor in this thing, we'll be all right." That's when I realized. I could race. That's pretty funny. I see. I heard that a while back, and I've always wondered if it was true. That or was not. a true story. It's a pretty funny story. I didn't real. I didn't hear the part though about you raced it under your dad's name. I just oh, heard yeah, you we went up little... there. Yeah, well, we're here. <laughs> Put his stuff on. Got in the car. I said, "Wait till everybody gets out there. We'll start in the back." And yeah. Now was, what? What did your race. parents say when they found out? Because you obviously you know, couldn't. My father kept never her. said nothing. He said, "You know, how was it?" <laughs> you give me a card, Dan. I said, I'm going to win these things. Well, he just laughed. You, uh, it wasn't too many years after that, I don't think, uh, that you no. you did get a car. And I remember when you bought Eddie's car, and and I thought, wow, if you're going to if you're going to drive buy a first car, there's a good one to buy. Um, why that yep. one? Was 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 there a particular reason you picked that one, or was just the best available, or what was? Um, me and Jimmy walked to the pits, and I could have bought a race car when I was eight. 18 years old. I mean, I worked for the power plant. I had the money. Okay. But but point is, I said to Jimmy, I said, until we can really do it halfway right, we're not going to race. And I, I never bought a car for um, until I was 20, almost 23 years old. Okay. And, and, I was thinking you started I, younger I sat there and watched for five years, and finally I went and bought. At that time, I was buying houses, and I probably bought five or six apartment houses between that period. Oh, wow. And I said to Jimmy, I said, okay, now we got a little bit of money. Not much, but a little bit. And I looked at his, and I looked at Johnny Spencer's, which for sale. And and the more I looked at Eddie's, the simpler it was. And I said, you know what? I don't really, you know, I know a little bit from my father, but the bottom line is, you want something simple. And uh, that's, you know. And at the time, I, I paid Eddie twelve thousand five hundred dollars for a car in nineteen eighty three, which I think they're selling for today. Yeah, wow. I paid him good money. Paid him good money, and then went to buy a motor. And me and Jimmy Isaac went. And bought a stock block from Ray Moore's stock Chevrolet crank rods and pistons. Went up to Napa and bought the valves and put in the heads. I mean, the motor was just completely junk because that's all I could afford. And that's what I ran the first year. And Christ, by the end of the year, I almost won a feature. I was going to say, you uh, you got better and better as the year went on. You were a pretty quick pretty quick yep. study. As Eddie, I Eddie recall. got me on a restart later in the year with about 10 laps to go. I would have won a feature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's. Uh... Yeah, and he had a quarter-inch stroker motor, and I got... I got a junker. <laughs> well, that was... Uh, the only thing I had was a good injection. My mother and father were really good friends with, with Jimmy and Leona. And my mother called Leona and says, you know, Mike needs an injection. She says, well, Jimmy had sent it out to Crower to have it rebuilt. And she, um, she says, you know what? I, you know, Jimmy would want Michael to have it. Why don't you just come up and pay the rebuild on the injection, which I think at the time was like 600 bucks. Oh, so wow. she gave us she gave us the injection for the for the cost of having it rebuilt. So that's that was the only thing that was really good on the whole motor was an injection. Wow. And that yep. was that was in eighty two. So Jimmy was Jimmy was getting he was he was uh he was that was the year that he was um no, he had come back in the eighty that was the year he was in the eighty nine, wasn't it? Yep. I bought the injection and Jimmy passed away there and it collapsed the end of the year. Yeah. And I started yeah. racing okay. in, in yeah. eighty three. Yeah. So it was just sitting in her garage, and, and then my mother called. She said, it's "Okay, so yeah, days. oh, that's right, because that all happened at the end of '82. You ran the last race. Yeah, I yeah, I used Eddie's motor, 
and, and ran the last race. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Well, um, and you know, I mean, you you had obviously you progressed to the point where you started building cars, and I got to tell you, you built you and Jimmy and, and the group built some of the most beautiful cars, um, the craftsmanship and and just all of it. I mean, what got you into building? <laughs> you learned. Couldn't afford to buy anything. Anything okay. you wanted to make, and I never made the bodies for 20 years. Poked, poked in my bodies. I mean, oh, okay. he was so good at it. I never made a body panel until Michael started racing. Oh, wow. You know, he, yeah, he did my. I didn't realize that for my whole career. And then when Michael raced, he did it for like a year or so, and then he he gave it up because you know it's a long ride here to Syracuse, 30 miles, and you know can't blame him. It's a long trip, and he you know forced Michael to make it. So Michael's been making them ever since. But he did he did pretty much my whole career. That's awesome. Now, what um, when you when you when we when you got to eighty four, what what made you guys decide to build your your daddy car? Would he just was he? Well, I, I told him. I said, if you don't have a decent car, I mean, we basically took Eddie's car and, and pretty much copied. Yeah. Changed a few things here and there, but pretty much, pretty much copied it. I mean, we changed some things that I I, I changed when I actually when I bought Eddie's car. I started changing a few little things here and there, torque arm. You know, nothing nothing with the frame or anything. Right. Just some different. My father wanted a longer front axle and, you know, just some odds and ends. But he finally, my mother worked two jobs. He worked. And finally, you know, it was a two-year deal where he could, you know, we got 50 bucks. We can spend 50 bucks this week. And over a two-year period, he finally got enough money to get the car on the track. Oh, but okay. By the time he got the car on the track, it was, you know, pretty much his he was so crippled with arthritis that he couldn't even hang on to the Is that chair. what he had was arthritis? Yeah, I knew he had something, yeah, he, but he, I wouldn't, he couldn't, couldn't remember. I mean, his fingers are going different directions. His feet are swollen, and, you know, I, I don't even know how he raced, to be honest with you. But, you know, he raced because he wanted to race again. He loved it that much, you know? <laughs> That's, yeah. He loved it that much, and, and uh, it was fun to see him run as fast as he did. And I, I remember, I think it was, was, was it in 84, he, he almost won the B-Main for the Classic? No, it well, he got in the race in the first lap time. He leased him, decided to drive in three and forgot. He doesn't know when to let off on the gas and just plowed into him, pushed him up to the fence. That's what it front, was. Okay. Ripped the front axle out of the car. You know, just just so stupid. It made, it made me sick. My mother's sitting there crying, oh. saying, you know, where the hell did this guy learn how to drive? I mean, it's the first lap of the race. Yeah. And there was a heat race, which I think they took, I don't know, four or six cars. My father was on the pole, and Tommy's in behind him. He went drove in three. He never left it. Just, just, just plowed in the side of the car, and, and then he never left it until he hit the wall. Mm. He backed away and went and raced. My father's done for the weekend. Man, crazy, just crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's one of those deals where you just wonder. Now you know why the guy wrecked all the time. I mean, just you know, I, I the more I raced, the more I figured people out. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Yeah, and you were, I mean, you were still, you were racing uh, when you started. I mean, you know, Bentley was still there, and Ordway, and Albritton, and oh, Darrow, and I mean, yeah, it was, that was a tough era. I mean, when you when you ran up front and won a feature in that time, you yep. had accomplished something. Take a look at 1990. I lost the track championship by one point. Gozik was one point behind me in third. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at 90, you want to race... Back then, we talked about it. There was fourteen guys in that field that had won a race. Yep. I mean, you're talking, you're talking. Joy was in his prime. Bellinger's in his prime. Ordway, Russ Wood, Mike Ordway, Bentley Warren. Yep. Dave McKnight, uh, Gary Morton, Cliff Graves, 
um, I know I'm missing people. Joe oh yeah, Gozer, yeah. I mean, Dan, there, there, there's, there's, uh, there was, you know, Randy Redskis. Yep. Mean, I mean, there was 14, 15 guys, and you went home. You finished in the top five back then. You go, whoa! You almost felt like you won the race. Yeah. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a great time to be a fan, <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and I I started doing the media thing in '88, and 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 just it was fun to to cover that era because you guys were just that was a it was brutal every week, <laughs> you know who was yeah. gonna who was yep. gonna win. Um, you do you what do you I mean you obviously traveled to other tracks besides Oswego. What were some of your tracks, the tracks that you went to out of town that you most enjoyed running at? Well, I'd like to go on that Michigan swing with uh, Kalamazoo and Berlin. That was a, two nice tracks and nice weekend. I mean, just you go to a small bull ring, and the next day you went over to Berlin where you ran almost wide open all the way yeah. around. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I just talked about one of the the years that I that I went on that. I was announcing for Isma that year. I don't I don't remember if it was ninety three or ninety four, but it was, I was just talking about those that swing and those two tracks and and uh, how much fun I had with the crowd at Berlin that night. Oh, um, they loved it. I those mean, were great I, tracks. I, I, they had to wait to hold the race up because people were still coming in. There was no seating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The night I was there, it was standing room only. They had people hanging on the fence. That's where the super modifieds were born in Michigan, yep. out that way. Yep. And those people, those people really love the supers out there. Yeah. How much fun were the early days? I mean, you went through it with your dad as as kind of a you know a racer's kid. How much fun were the early days when it got to Classic Weekend? You'd have fifty or sixty cars in the pits. How amazing was that? Yeah, I was just talking about it with my son the other day. I said, you know. There used to be 55, 60 cars. Yeah. And the race started. There was 20 cars sitting in the pits watching those 40 guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 40, not 32, yep. but 40. You know what I mean? And you never knew who was coming in and, nope. and who was driving what sometimes until the weekend. Yep. So yep. there were always mm-hmm. those surprises. That was Those were fun days. So I told my son back when I was in high school, the camping, there wasn't a spot for a camper. On that. It was just one big party from Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean that 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 period of time, um, really? you know, in in the sport as a whole, really, not just the supers, but um, right. you know, it, it certainly at Oswego, that was a period of time that you'll just never see again. You know, no, you, you just no. it's. Uh, but for those of us who were blessed enough to live it, it was pretty spectacular. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, as we got into the '90s, you and Didero were 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 basically for a couple of years. It was one or the other of you. Um, those battles were so spirited what what do you remember about running with doug in in that that period of time well it was basically who got to the front first yeah and i knew i had to trap him in behind somebody because most of the time he wouldn't go outside so i knew i I had to catch him when he caught somebody and hopefully box him in which you know it happened a few times and a few times he he got me you know i mean it was it was pretty much back and forth pretty much even battle you know but it was um, it was pretty epic, you know. I mean, it just it was. You you knew you knew it was your guy, you know. And he probably knew that if he didn't get to the front before me, he wasn't going by me either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, here again, it, it, you get those those rivalries only at certain moments. You know, you you um, obviously they, you guys you two weren't the only two that were capable of winning in those times, but you were certainly the two that seemed to be around each other the most and the two that won the most and everybody talked about the most and it became sort of a, a rivalry, you know, the Champagne Swift kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and uh, it was an awful 
awful lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, and, and of course, you were still turning out cars and, um, you know, sometimes had two or three cars at any one time. Boy, for a while, you guys are running three cars pretty regularly later in your career. Yeah, it just got too much, too much work, too much I wondered money. about that. You know, I just sitting in the grandstand, you just kind of go, wow, that just seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. I mean, my son's making two cars right now, and, it, you know, it's just, you know, just basically he's doing pretty much all the work himself. And, you know, it's just, it's way too much work for what you get out of it now. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I could see where you certainly would, would, would say that. Yeah. Um, he, he obviously came up through the quarter midgets and I mean, did you, did you pretty much know when he was younger that eventually he was going to probably want to race at Oswego? Well, I was hoping he didn't, to be honest with you. He raced a couple <laughs> years in the quarter midget and, you know, it just, it's not a good experience. Just, the parents are fighting all the time. Oh, yeah, it's, it's bad. The kids are having a good time, but the nine, nine out of ten of the parents were racing instead of the kids were racing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it got to the point, and he, he raced two years, and he was winning. And I said, Michael, are you, you having fun? He goes, no. And so I, I came home sold all sold everything. He only raced oh, wow. a year or two, and I just said, you know, it's about having fun. If you're not having fun, we're not we're not going to go. Right. So I sold everything. I said, you know, maybe later in life, I said, and you decide you want to race. We'll go someplace where the parents, you know, aren't, aren't so controlling. It right. Just, um, it, it got it got too much, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, eventually you found that place where the parents weren't so controlling, and uh, yep. to Oswego he came. And um, yep. you know, again, I I feel like every year he raced there, he's gotten better, and now he's obviously um, a winner and as much a contender as anybody else when he's on the track. What's it like for you as a dad? To uh, I I know you're obviously part of the team but what's it like for you as a dad to watch michael doing uh doing the thing that you did growing up and your dad did growing up um not much i mean we have a lot of conversations about his driving and you know i try to guide him in the right way and you know pretty much you know you can't turn the wheel and you can't push the gas pedal so you know it's kind of like a learning curve you gotta you gotta gotta do it you know what i mean yeah everybody's their own person and you know it's like eddie and his kid i'm you know nothing against his kid but you know, he doesn't drive like Eddie, and my son doesn't drive like me. You well, know sure. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's <clears throat> just how it is. Well, and, a, you know, I guess, I suppose, a different time, and, and they're different people, obviously. Everybody has yep. their own personality, and you got to, you know, you kind of got to use what you have, more or less. You know, the, exactly. no two people are, are, are alike. But uh, is is he planning to run uh, both Oswego and Ismo, kind of a split deal, or what is? Well, we really haven't given it much thought because he, <clears throat> he took a new job out to the plant, and he's working oh, he did. 12-hour days, and he's going to school for a year and a half to be a nuclear operator. So oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. crunch on everything this year, and um, he just haven't had enough time to work on the car. I mean, he made the frame two frames last year and he's been you know tinkering with it but unless he really gets putting some solid hours in here i'd be very shocked if he got opening day but you never know with him he uh he's a smart kid and he decides to do it i'm sure he can figure it out he is a smart kid and he's a good kid you should be proud of him you did a yep. did a good job yep. with him man you and you and his mom it's uh that's a great it's fun to see the second generation it's even more fun when you get to the third and you know i've said to people a lot 
uh, I feel like for such a when you consider that the Oswego group as a whole is such a small concentration of racers at any one time, it's amazing how many second and third generation um, drivers you've had over the years that are that are that are racing there. It's a very um, when they say racing's a family sport, I feel like Oswego is big time family because um, yep. you see so much of that. And if 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 you know, maybe it's not somebody's son, but like with Keith Champagne, it's it's Jimmy's nephew, or it's you know, right. and so you see a lot of that that generational uh, stuff going on there, and uh, you know, it's it's it was great to see Michael get started, and you know, I I know I always enjoy seeing him race, and uh, hope we get to see him a few times at the Big O this year. Yeah, well, I, I I really don't know what his plans are. You know, I think first he's got to get the car done, and then he'll decide, but. He's hoping to get it done in May, and we could go test with a wing somewhere because he really likes running Isma. Yep. And, um, you know, he made the car that so could race Isma or Swiggo. That was his goal. Oh, okay. So could, that was, you know, the biggest thing. He made some changes on these cars so he could change them really quick, and he can run both ways. That would be great. Yeah. So that's that was his goal on making this car. He made some different changes. and So he's he tried to make, you know, everybody makes an Isma car or Swiggo car, so they say. Yeah, but basically a super, they can go both ways. And if they didn't, then you didn't make something right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like Hawksby's car runs good at a Swiggo, and it hasn't really done a lot. But Otto started running last year, and the more he ran, the better he got. So I mean, I'm sure if he raced strictly Isma for a couple, two or three years, that he'd figure it out too. Sure. But, uh, you know, to make one car for just one one series is crazy. You know what I mean? You look at somebody uh, like Jeff Abel, and you know he went one yeah, of the star classic. He's yeah, been he able great to great star. Yeah. And I'm sure if he ran Isma full time, I mean, he'd figure it out, and he'd be a threat on every night, every night. Yeah, there's another. Speaking of second generations, there's no, another. I'm just saying, I, you know, <laughs> father's been that, around yeah. long enough, yeah. and just like I have, and I'm sure if they ran just strictly Isma with that car, they'd all wish he probably didn't come. Do Trust you? Me. Do you miss driving? No, not really. No, not really. I mean, I had my day. And just after a while, I just you know move aside and let him enjoy it. And how long he races, I have no idea. But you know, it's just once in a while, I got in the car down the star last year and kind of kind of rekindle it. And I told my son, I said, you know, you get that second car, maybe I'll race with you at Star this year. You know, because I've got plates in my neck and my back, and ah. I'm sure if something happened, I wrecked, I'd be in big trouble. So that's right. the reason. I mean, star being small it's enough, not, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe a small track. I told him that you're going 80 miles an hour, 90. That's what you're going at star. You know, it'd be pretty safe. Yeah. Well, that would so, be fun. Well, yeah. I'm going to get in the car and test it when we go down there this year. But, you know, I don't know if we'll have a race again, but I like getting in there and testing it. Well, it's fun. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure uh, it's, it's it's fun that, you know, as you said, I suppose you might have rather had Michael do something different. But yet at the same time, um, again, it's a family. It's been a family sport for how long for the Muldoons? And, and you get to have all that time with your son. Yeah, I've been going to track since, like I said, 1968. So we're talking better part of, I don't know, 52 years. 
Wow. That's amazing. That's uh, it's a long time. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the Muldoon family is certainly one of, uh, at least I consider the Muldoon family to be one of the, the first families in the, in the aspect of, you know, how long that you, you all have been a part of Oswego and um, yep. certainly a part of my experience going there from your dad to you and now to Michael. So, um, you know, it's fun to take the time to sit and talk to you a little bit and, and have you kind of recount your dad's career a little bit and, and just reminisce with us and geez it'd be great to see you get back out there at star and run a little bit and have some fun but you know i know it it probably gets harder every year that you don't do it because you know age gets to a point where it, it catches up with everybody right and then you just get to a point where you probably shouldn't get in it yeah I, i'm sure that comes i mean but you look at Joe Gozik, he's in shape. And yeah. He's as competitive today as he was yeah. 10 years ago. And he's and he started doing the dirt stuff. It's like he's mm-hmm. he's expanding yep. his horizons. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, you know, if you stay on top of it like he does and you don't take time off, I'm sure he's just as good this year as he was going to be last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same way with Bentley. I mean, Bentley, you know, he's pretty good right up until the time he quit. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I think Bentley, Bentley had some situ- had a situ- had some issues with you know the the breath and, and breathing and all that when he yeah got he out drove for me in '95 Classic, and he and he had me go out and set the car up, and I went out and ran a I don't know maybe a sixteen yeah. seven sixteen six. Yep. He got in the car, went out and ran maybe like a seventeen one seventeen two. Yeah. I said no. I said, Bentley, the car's perfect. What do you want me to do? He goes, I, I'm not 50 no more. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I, and I think you guys. I think he came from an era where the cars yeah, drove a little different. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was he always said to me. You know, me and the Duro were too smooth for him. That's why he couldn't get either one of our cars. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, after a while, it becomes because it is a program thing, right? Driving a race yeah. car, so it becomes hard to adapt yep. so quickly. You know, but, um, yeah, it's that's, not that's the difference. That's you know, the difference. but yeah, you and you had it, it's funny when I think about it. Now that you mentioned Bentley driving for you, and, and I start thinking about, gosh, Steve Joya, Jamie Moore, Gozik, of course, won for you a couple times, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you had a number of drivers in your cars over there, Davey. Um, you know how how much fun for you was it as an owner to have a driver win? Obviously, I'm, I know you always wanted to win yourself, but it had to be a sense of pride when when at least if you could win one of your one of your cars did. Yeah, if, if you win your race and you don't win, it doesn't matter what the other car did. To be honest with you. Oh, really? okay. So you it doesn't matter for you. It was still a loss. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's just how it is, you know. I get it. Well, uh, certainly I've enjoyed taking some time with you today, and and, uh, I know that uh, you guys are trying to get the two cars done. I hope that, uh, you know, Mike's able to get out at some point early in the season, but certainly, um, you know, hopefully we'll see him later in the year, if if not. And, uh, man, the goal is to get to opening day. But, you know, like I said, uh, that's only about, what, seven, eight weeks away now? It's hard to believe as that is. Um, yeah, Car's still sitting there. Right. Nothing's been, you know, we still got a lot of work to do on it. He hasn't even powder coated the frame. We're still making wings, front wings, top wings, back wings. I mean, he's got a lot of work to do in seven weeks. But I've seen him, you know, put his head down. He's he's a good fabricator. You know, he's yeah. smart. Nothing's wasted. Every move's calculated. And I'm pretty sure if he puts his mind to it that he'll make opening day if he really wants to. He's learned the craft well, for sure. 
Yeah, he's a great fabricator. Yep, me. absolutely. Yep, the cars are beautiful for sure. Uh, well, yep. again, we appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks an awful lot, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you at the track at some point during the season. And uh, you know, we'll uh, maybe get you on a little later in the year once uh, Mike starts rolling a little bit. Be fun to have him on too. I'll have to get a hold of him and uh, make arrangements to get him on one of these shows and talk. Okay, that was great talking to you. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. That was Mike Muldoon, and uh, geez, another great interview. Really enjoyed talking with Mike, and and you know, I I think all the time about the old days because I guess you you get to a certain point, and that's that's where your mind goes, I suppose. Um, and that magic time with his dad, and and as Mike said, not always you know in front running equipment, but gosh, Jimmy Muldoon was an awful lot of fun to watch, and he always gave it a hundred percent, and. You know, the key point Mike made is is what I always think about with, with Jim as well is how much he did for other people and the time that he took to try and help them with their efforts. And, uh, you know, and of course, Mike, a spectacular career in the Super Modifieds and, um, you know, and now Michael trying to follow in his footsteps uh, in a, a obviously a much different time in the sport uh, with the newer style cars and all of that. So uh, all of that uh, is is awesome. And, and again, thanks to Mike. Um, want to mention one thing before we close this show up, um, because I'm not sure a lot of you are aware. I know that within our audience of super modified fans, a lot of you are also fans of the modified class and uh we are about uh four episodes in i think to um a new podcast that we've added to the race chaser lineup on a weekly basis called mainly modifieds uh and that is a show that i do with kyle souza who's a new england modified insider happens to be uh, a protege of mine uh jacob sealman and i when we were uh working the race chaser website uh doing all the the stories and everything back in the early period of race chaser four or five years ago um it, kyle was one of our protégés and came on and and really kind of honed his craft with us and has gone on to do some cool things worked with nascar the last couple of years as their uh home tracks modified tour pr director and this year is uh, working with Thompson Speedway as their PR and Stafford and um, doing some other things with some of the other modified series up there. Um, so a little different uh, assignment for, for Kyle this year. But he and I got together over the offseason and decided that we wanted to put this together. So we're doing a modified podcast, and that one comes out on Tuesday nights Uh as, uh, of course, this show is the Wednesday night release that we do each week. So we've kind of gotten to where we now have almost a full week where we have one new show coming out every night. So Monday nights is our first live show of the week, Race Chaser live show, Lead Lap, it's called. And that's a show that can kind of go in a number of different directions, but we we're trying to do more of the Carolinas region uh, coverage with that particular show, but we do cover some national stuff and sometimes we'll branch off and, and, you know, do some other things. Uh, 
divisions that um you know are folks that we think are interesting and and uh maybe we'll you know a nascar driver that we want to get on but can't make a tuesday or a thursday show we just uh move them to monday um so it's kind of a variety show but it's mostly carolina's regional dirt and pavement is where we're headed with that and then tuesday nights um is the premiere every week of the newest episode of mainly modifieds with kyle and i and uh we are going to have driver guests on that show as well not not just the nascar wheel and tour either we're going to cover um all of the modified series in new england and uh roc and um and and even some of the other payment series up there in new england uh pro stock stuff and and all of that so it's uh but that's why we call it mainly modifieds because we we are focusing on modifieds mainly but uh we we do expand out as well and cover some other stuff on that show and um so that's Tuesday night. Again, we shoot for 7 o'clock uh, to have that uploaded and ready for download. Uh, Wednesday night is, of course, this show, Inside Groove. Thursday night uh, is our big show. That's our flagship show, Motorsports Madness, with Jacob Seelman and uh, myself. And uh, Jacob and I and Randy Miller host that show. And that is the show that uh, airs live on Thursday nights but is syndicated out on the weekends to um, the uh, American Forces Radio Network. We're on Sirius XM uh dan patrick channel 211 on saturday nights at seven uh we've got about 30 affiliates across the country for that show amfm and and all the top digitals um so that is our right now our final new show of the week um so we're friday night we kind of kept open because obviously uh i'm traveling or at a racetrack or wherever so monday tuesday wednesday thursday there's a different new show every night and the reason i bring all this up is twofold first i wanted to let all of you know that the modified show existed um and in case you wanted to uh start following that show as well and secondly because we are very close now to uh having the new race chaser online site up um been back and forth actually with uh the the designer a couple of times today they're still finishing up some things with the archives uh we of course accumulated about five years worth of uh archive or six years worth of archive stuff stories and photos and videos and all of that so um working on what they need to do to transfer that over and and all of that make make all the links match so it's been a much deeper project than we anticipated but um we are i can think i can safely say that uh we're probably about a week away uh if we don't sneak it out uh before the end of this week it should be certainly sometime early next week once that site is online you will literally be able to go straight to the race chaser online website and whether you want to hear a show that's airing live or you just want to hear this show on demand or whatever, all of the shows live and on demand are going to be accessible right at that site. So you won't need to worry about whether uh, you can access SoundCloud or whether, you're, you know, we'll still make them obviously available on our RSS feed. Uh, so if you're into Spotify or TuneIn or Apple Music or Google or whatever, where you get your other music and you want to hear them, you can keep getting them that way. But it just will make it simple. If you want to hear 
anything that Race Chaser does in terms of audio shows, you can just go straight to the website, and it's easily accessible. We'll have a live player on our homepage. We'll have another one on the shows page. And then all the each, each uh, group of shows has its own archive. So you just scroll down. If you miss a show, it'll be there for you. Um, it's going to make... Uh, life a lot easier and uh, make promoting the shows a lot easier. So uh, we would like to develop a situation where much like you go to, um, you know, ESPN to watch ESPN programming, we'd love for you to go to the Race Chaser site and listen to Race Chaser uh, shows. So um, we're just going to start putting the site link out there and saying, here's where they are. Here's who's coming up. We'll have a calendar on the main page so you'll know who's coming up on the shows through the week as much as we have them, you know, booked ahead. Sometimes, especially with this show, it becomes very much a last minute kind of situation. Um, schedules don't match or they get changed. And, you know, we, we try to keep, I try to keep a calendar of guests I know are coming for two or three weeks out, but um, it's not always an exact science with this particular show. Um, but, um, or the modified show for that matter. But with our live shows, especially, we're usually booked three to four weeks out. So we try to, we're going to keep a calendar up there. You'll know what's coming up. We've got a lot of great hosts involved now. We've got, we, we talked to some really cool drivers. Um, we're all about telling stories. That's what I'm building the race chaser brand around is stories. You know, we're, you'll get results, but we're mostly interested in people and stories and having fun and good old-fashioned racing radio coverage so if you're going on a trip and you know you just want to hear racing stuff well just dial up race chaser online and oh by the way there will be an app that's coming out we're going to have our own race chaser radio app soon um so again you'll be able to just uh you know play play it in your car or whatever and um you'll have shows galore to listen to we do five new ones a week and we're adding a racer safety podcast uh coming up starting hopefully in april we're uh putting the finishing touches on the format and trying to uh organize that as we speak so we're we're shooting for an april launch time that's going to be a monthly for now but um some great safety topics we're going to try to try to kind of crisscross the industry um talk about track safety you know barriers driver safety gear all that sort of thing um you know we want this to be educational we want people to understand what is required and why you know drivers should be doing what they should be doing safety wise uh but also just to hear about the science and and the engineering behind a lot of it and uh and get some uh, some conversation going, hopefully, to try uh, in our own small way to uh, have some sort of influence on um, making the sport as a whole safer. And we'll tell you more about that as that show comes together. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun show for me to do. I'm not sure of the length. It'll probably, again, much like this show, tends to be an hour to two hours and the modified show an hour to an hour and a half. Same deal here, probably an hour a week um, to start, but uh, we don't time them. So, uh, you know, we try to, because we will now have a programmable uh, digital space on the website where we can just um, have shows playing all the time, uh, we are going to try to make make the shows as, you know, as 
even as possible if it's an hour, an hour and a half or whatever. But we're also going to um, put smaller interviews into that mix. So if I go to the track and do a 10-minute interview with a driver or whatever, we're going to put those into the uh, the weekly um, broadcast lineup, so to speak, on Race Chaser Radio. And again, the player will be right on the site. And uh, uh, anytime you want to click on it and hear what's going on, you'll be able to. The shows will rotate and we'll have new, uh, new audio um, throughout each week and weekend as we uh, can get it up there and get it into the mix. So um, it's going to be an exciting thing for me, and I wanted, again, I wanted all of you to know that that was coming up because I know some of you have a hard time, you know, getting the show or whatever. We're just going to make it easy. It's all going to be right there on the website, and you'll be able to get our other programming too, and we hope you'll support that as well because, again, um, it gives you a chance to get to know some of the drivers, for example, that you see in the NASCAR races. We interview a lot of the up-and-comers, and, and, uh, you know, ARCA, K&N, well, I guess it's all ARCA now, but, um, you know, we try to we, we try to keep you um, a little more informed as to who they are and, you know, why should you care about them? And so um, look forward to uh, all of that. Again, that should be in the next uh, week or so for sure uh, that that site, newly revised site or newly built site launches. So uh, we'll still be tweaking on it once it's live. Probably there's still a few things that um, it won't have that will eventually come into play, but we want to at least make sure all the features that we need to work are working and um you know have it uh, well enough so we feel like we can put it out there and then we'll uh we'll kind of just keep improving it as we go so thanks to all of you who uh take time to listen to this and um if you're still listening after that <laughs> thank you again especially have a great week everybody and thanks of course to our sponsors jeff west uh ipcindy.com indy performance composites uh if you need anything fabricated jeff is the guy to do it just go visit the website and and uh and and talk to him about whatever you need in that line jns paving of course uh up in the oswego oswego county area um you know let him know again if you need your driveway done or whatever um rich worth is is a great supporter of of oswego speedway and particularly obviously the sbs and 350 divisions this year but also the title sponsor now of the 350 class and that's awesome so uh congratulations um and thank you to rich worth for stepping up uh and helping the 350 division to get a boost and uh also uh skips fish fry of course the best fish in the oswego area uh and just sean is a good friend and and uh you know again when you're in town uh go get yourself a fish or uh, one of his other delicacies it's all really really good with that as always thank you so much for listening have a great weekend and we will talk to you next time on inside groove so long You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. Now, part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.